Welcome to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. My name's Tammy Simon. I'm the founder of Sounds True, and I'd love to take a moment to introduce you to the Sounds True Foundation. The goal of the Sounds True Foundation is to provide access and eliminate financial barriers to transformational education and resources, such as teachings and trainings on mindfulness, emotional awareness, and self-compassion. If you'd like to learn more and join with us in our efforts, please visit SoundsTrueFoundation.org. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, my guest is George Mumford. George is a globally recognized speaker, teacher, and coach. Since 1989, he's been honing his gentle but groundbreaking mindfulness techniques with people from locker rooms to boardrooms. A former basketball player at the University of Massachusetts, injuries forced George out of basketball and eventually into an addiction to pain medication and drugs. With the help of meditation and the practice of mindfulness, George got clean and he made it his mission to teach and work with others. He's the author of the book, The Mindful Athlete, Secrets to Pure Performance. And with Sounds True, George Mumford is the commencement speaker for the second cohort of the Inner MBA, a nine-month online learning program that helps you develop the inner skills and capacities you need for better outer performance at work. The third cohort of the Inner MBA begins in September, and you can learn more at innermbaprogram.com. Now, my conversation with George Mumford, where he talks about the essentials of what is pure performance and how we can see clearly and love greatly right where we are. Here's my conversation with George Mumford. I'm excited, George, for this chance to get to know you a bit and for our listeners to get to know you. And right here at the beginning, can you share with us a bit about your background, your early background, your early life? And here's the key. How did you discover mindfulness? Yes. So my early life, I don't, because I'm an old, what they call an OG. I've been around for a minute. <laughs> so I don't know how far back I need to go. I know I used to engage in sports up into college and then I got, then I got hurt and uh, my career ended and I got addicted to, to pain meds, then, then illegal drugs and alcohol. And just fast forwarding to 1984, I was a, um, I was what they call a functional um, substance abuser. And so I was still working and everything. Um, and then I got into recovery, uh, 1984. And then I was able to, um, then when I got clean, I discovered I had chronic pain and migraine headaches. And I had to um, learn how to deal with that. So the HMO that I was in, one of the few that were around in 1984, I got into, um, I got into a, a stress management program that was being taught by John Borisenko, which was an extension of Herbert Benson's mind body, um, clinic at, at uh, Beth Israel. And that's when I got introduced to 
mindfulness and a whole lifestyle change in terms of me taking more responsibility for my health care and understanding the connection between the mind and the body and how we could really um, control, you know, involuntary uh, systems in the nervous system indirectly by how we directed attention and how we how we developed the mind and heart. Now, onlyest. Yes. And I remember that word, onlyest. And I'm curious what that experience was like for you. Yes. Well, my parents are from Alabama, and um, and when you're in a situation, actually, uh, that's been my experience from the eighth grade on, that I went from a predominantly um, uh, people of color or a black um, neighborhood and school system to one where there were only a few of us. So, so there were very few people of color. And so from the eighth grade throughout my career, it's been that way. So on some level, uh, yeah. So just being the only person, I just noticed I was the only person, but because of my, uh, that warrior spirit I have, and because my sense was, well, I don't have a problem with that. You all have the problem. So even though I was the onlyest one, but it was just like, it was just not many people that looked like me around. Mm -hmm. And so it was, a, it was, so instead of being isolating, I, I just noticed it. And because I was relating on the soul level or on the spirit level, it, it didn't deter me because I was determined to practice this, this, you know, to engage in this practice. And actually, if you really think about it, the Buddha looks more like me than he looks like other folks. So, <laughs> so, so what's that, you know, so why should I, but I didn't get into that. And I just related to people on, the, on that spirit level. So I had the courage, I had the faith to just kind of push through, but it was challenging. I know for students I work with now that it's really challenging to be on a retreat and, and see so, 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 few, so few people that look like, like themselves. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me, you identified this warrior spirit inside of you. Tell me more about that. Yes. So I've always been being an athlete and, and being a type A personality. I understand now that was the first thing that I understood in that in that stress management class that I was a type A, but not with hostility, but with kindness, with with, with love. And um, and so how do I don't want to say that? So so that's how I competed. I competed like a warrior. That 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 force energy, that energy that you know that said no, that I'm going to meet this situation, you know, with force, you know, with, with effort, I'm not going to withdraw effort or sort of fade into the background. I'm going to step up. And so that energy got me to a certain place, but then at some point, even in my experience, it, it got me, um, it got to a place where it, it took away. I mean, it just didn't work, but it worked for a certain period of time. And it took me decades to figure out that I didn't need to have that warrior energy. I could use uh, what I what I discovered this this um, this phrase: "Slow is smooth, smooth is fast." And so, slow motion gets you there quicker. Or the best way to get there is just to be in a moment and just to let to be with the flow, be like water, and you get there quicker. And so that means. I could be 
warrior spirit and intention, but an actual process. I had to be more yin. I had to be more yielding, more open and flexible. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot I want to talk to you about, George, about this phrase that you use, pure performance and athletic performance, business performance. But before we get there, I want to share with our listeners that during the pandemic, you recorded a a series of videos that you called At Home with George. And you started each one of these videos in a way that I found to be such a powerful teaching. And so I want to bring it forward right here at the beginning of our conversation. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to hear it in your words because it's almost become like a a slogan or something from George Mumford. Go ahead. The idea is to embrace whatever comes up to say yes to it. And by embracing it and then generating the hope, it's another way of saying yes to life. And I remember listening to Joseph Campbell and the power of myth. And he talked about the, the Zen master that he talked to, and basically the Zen master said, we have to say yes to life. We have to just say yes. And and I know there's a book by by Viktor Frankl's, um, I don't know if it's his estate or whatever it's called, saying yes to life. And that's it. And I, I talk about it. So it's important that we embrace, say, yes, this is what's happening. And what is happening is happening because the conditions are right for what is happening to be happening. And so we can deny it or we can embrace it. And then and then work with it, because once we embrace it, then we can do something about it. So I refer to it as the four A's. So the awareness. Right. There's the awareness of it. And that's the mindfulness, uncritical, just mirror mind or the river or the mountain lake, just reflecting the snowy mountains with with nothing in between, just you know, the awareness, then once we can be aware of it and see it clearly, so it's about clear seeing, right? And knowing, but seeing it, then the second thing is the acceptance of it. Because when it's, the nervous system is very, it's not personal. If if it's pleasant, we approach. If it's unpleasant, we have aversion or avoid it. And if it's neither, if we're not interested, we space out. Now, and I'm going to distinguish the indifference from the equanimity where we're not moving forward or away. We're just holding our center. But there's a, a presence there and there's an interest there versus indifference when when there's nothing that's really, um, nothing we're interested in, then we kind of space out. And so, yeah, so that's what it comes down to is realizing that we have to be able to be that eye of the hurricane I talk about and just uh, accept what's happening. Once we accept it, we can do something about it. I'll give you an example. Once I accepted that I had a substance abuse issue or problem, then I could deal with it. But as long as I'm in denial about it, which is part of the the unease or dis-ease is being in denial or blaming others instead of just saying, okay, I accept it. This is what's happening. I don't like it, but I'm going to embrace it. And by embracing it, now I can I can have a compassionate action. And that's the, the third A is action, compassionate action. And then the fourth A is the assessment. So uh, the what we call post-performance or reflective phase is after we, we reflect on what worked, what didn't work, and how do we get what didn't work to work. So it's the awareness, the acceptance, the compassionate action. It's always about compassion. It's also always about not just doing it with that warrior spirit where I'm pushing through, but moving through with that compassion, with that sensitivity, 
and not getting imbalanced because I'm, I'm trying too hard, but to have the right effort where it's the balance, continuous effort or energy that leads to that persistence, that ability to, to have a, at least a little enthusiasm to get over the lethargy or the low energy, and then to get to the point where we're persistent. And when we are persistent and when we continue like slow is smooth and smooth is fast. When you continue, even if it's at a small modicum or little incremental thing, then you develop a flow or momentum or rhythm, and then it becomes fast. So that's how I uh, uh, interpret that, that, that sayings, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Now, John Wooden, the hall of fame basketball coach used to talk to his players about be quick, but don't be in a hurry. Every time at the beginning of these At Home with George videos, when you would say, whatever's going on, whatever's happening for you right now, we're embracing it. You'd begin with that. We're going to hold both the possibility of embracing yes. right now what's happening. Yes. Right. right right there at that point, there'd be like a comma in the sentence. And I noticed I would have a big exhale and I'd be like, oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness we can embrace yes. whatever's happening. Thank goodness, George. God bless you. Thank you. I feel your heart. I feel your love. I feel the embrace. And then you'd go on and you would say, and at the same time, we can generate hope for what yes. we want to create. And I noticed yes. at that moment, I had a question inside. And yes. the question was like, can I? Can I generate hope? I don't know. Is George going to help me generate hope? Like I'm embracing what's happening, but how do I generate mm -hmm. hope? Yes. So this was this interesting because my first foray in the 12 steps and whatnot, or let me just quote Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein said that besides saying imagination is more powerful than knowledge, he said that one question we have to answer is whether or not we believe the universe is friendly or unfriendly. And so I can go into it, but let me just cut to the chase. If it's friendly, and there's a lawfulness to it, then we will use our resources to align ourselves with how things work. We align ourselves that the fact that you don't have to believe in gravity, but gravity exists. And once you embrace gravity, then you can use it to your advantage. And so that's, that's, that's where that came from. And so if you see, and it's really, it's the, it's the proverbial glass. Is it half empty, half full? Both are right. But if you observe it from half empty, then you're starting off in fight, flight, freeze, survival mode, rather than seeing it as half full, which is uh, love, which is uh, growth mode, which is moving forward, which is that, oh, the universe is, there's a lawfulness to it. And if I align myself with the law, I'm going to be have an amazing experience. And so that's the thing. So generating hope is how do you think, feel, and behave in ways where you feel like the glass is half full. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? How do I do that? Prayer meditation. But the main thing is the teachings of the Buddha uh, and, and, and science, you know, even neuroscience is understanding how things work, understanding how my mind works. And so when I talked about generating hope, that's really uh, right effort. And right effort is to cultivate wholesome mind states, wholesome, wholesome thoughts, some uh, feelings and, and behaviors. And so if I realize that, yes, I say yes to life and I embrace it. So once again, it's the interpretation of something happens from interpreting it as a, 
as an opportunity to learn something, an opportunity to know myself better. That's one of the most amazing journeys we can be on is to get to know ourselves better. I don't mean like the ego stuff. I mean like the the spiritual self, whether we call it the Buddha nature, the Christ consciousness, or the divine spark, or I call it the masterpiece. We start off from basic goodness with the masterpiece. And so the real question is, can you access it? And you can access it. How do you access it? Through how you think, how you feel, how you behave. But really, it's about prayer, meditation, and service. Mm-hmm. That's how we that's how we access it. We access it, and that was a big part of twelve step recovery for me. Is the best way to stay clean is to help somebody else stay clean. Mm-hmm. So, so I call it forget yourself to find yourself. So you help somebody else get out of your stuff, help somebody else, and you're also helping yourself because we get beyond this illusion of separateness. Now, in the Buddhist text, they talk about the non-self. I, I prefer seeing it as the illusion of separateness. Mm-hmm that we're all connected and you could see it during times of crisis like uh, 9-11 and the, and the bombing, the, the, the Boston Marathon bombing, where you had people running towards the explosion instead of away for, from it. So every once in a while, we get beyond that illusion of separateness and we feel like, oh, I have to do something. There's a movement of the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why the compassion is really important of itself, compassion as well as compassion for others or loving kindness. I mean, you know, when we talk about loving kindness and joy and, 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 um, compassion practice, as well as equanimity, those, those divine abode, those are mindsets states that, that are the antidote to greed and hatred and jealousy, if you will. And there's nothing like being in joy where we can we actually can can handle depression and anxiety it goes down happiness is the antidote to those things okay now i'm gonna i'm gonna ask some questions here george to tease a few things out because you know this quote from albert einstein which i've heard before this decision we make is the universe a friendly place or not i have a friend who says how could i say i don't know enough to say i'm neutral on that question. I, Tammy, you and your do-gooder kind of inside kind of thing, you, you're going to go into this friendly thing. I'm just going to stay neutral on it because I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Well, what did the Buddha say? The Buddha said, don't believe me, see if it's true. So this is one of the awakening factors, investigation. So the idea is not to take my word for it, but see if it's true. We're talking about verified faith. You, you can have faith and then you can have insight. And your friend sounds like he has more insight than faith. And so it makes us a little cynical. And so with the five superpowers I talk about, we have to generate more trust, more faith to balance that. And then we're able to verify it. And so I'm not asking you to do it. Just see if it's true. I can tell you from my experience that that what I'm teaching is what I've what I what I'm being and what I've experienced. So how have you verified that the universe is a friendly place, George? Because um, when I started focusing on what I held in mind and noticing that if I had the right view, if I see things as a you know the glass of proverbial glass, or this is a, a friendly universe, and this is what was happening, and this is what twelve step. Uh, programs do is they let you develop your own concept of a higher power or how the universe works. And, and that's the foundation. So you have to have a spiritual foundation. So 
in the Buddhist context, you know, you take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So what does that mean? That means you take refuge in the fact that you have Buddha nature. You have, you are wired for success and only you can do it. It's an inside job, but you have to do it. You have to figure it out. And that there's teachings, there's ways of aligning yourself with things, which, which gives you an amazing experience of being fully alive and fully and living more fully and more creatively. This has been my experience. And then there's a Sangha or there's a community community of like-minded folks where you can talk to what we call teachers good friends or you and I being good friends. And we're not talking about how, how to tear somebody apart or how to criticize. We're talking about how to do this thing called life in a way that we we can live more fully and more creatively. That's what that's what you're about. Just my opinion. That's why you have me on here. And so the suitable conversation we're talking about, we're talking about how to, how can we, how can we embrace everything and at the same time generate the hope and you generate the hope by thinking about things in ways that allows you to feel like you that there's opportunities here that these these difficulties these obstacles are just stepping stones and that's an interpretation you can interpret it anyway so we want to do this is the whole positive psychology thing of interpretive styles you can interpret things in a way that empowers us that allows us to say oh there's a lesson here oh, this is going to be great let's move with it and that, that's what I'm saying. So you generate that by your attitude. And if it's that positive, this is scientifically, uh, Barbara Fredrickson calls it the building, the broad and build theory. When we're at positive, our cognitive functioning, our ability to see and think and feel is enhanced. So we're not tunnel vision. We actually open up and, and by the panoramic view, the, uh, the solution is there rather than being stuck on one channel or just looking at the same thing. So we have to understand that this is what right view is all about. Right view is seeing things rightly, you know, seeing things, you know, instead of greed, hate, and delusion, we're looking at generosity. You know, I don't like the word sacrifice. I rather prefer prefer to call it generosity, loving kindness or love, compassion, and then wisdom, understanding, seeking to understand and the insight. So there's a lawfulness. If we understand how things work, then we can align with that. And then we can, we can achieve, or we can have a, a life that's, you know, more full and more creative because we understand the rules. Mm -hmm. I noticed, George, when you talk about this notion of each of us having a masterpiece, using that word, a masterpiece inside, everything in me kind of lights up. Like, I just love it. I'm yeah. just like, write down the word masterpiece. This is such an important idea. Yeah. How did you come up with using that word to talk about our, our inner nature? Yes. So me being a, so I just took my warrior energy or that 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 type a just going after it like i used to chase drugs and alcohol i just took it to chase the chase the spirit <laughs> you know i was using john bali coin instead of the, the real spirit right uh, and so when i was thinking about it reflecting on it and then i remember the this idea that michelangelo michelangelo was asked how does he create these masterpieces out of these chunks of marble. And he says, all I do is chip away to get to the masterpiece that's already there. And so it's, it reminds me, I actually had the privilege of meeting and spending time with Matthew Fox. And he wrote a book called The Original Blessing. He's a Dominican um, priest. Um, and I feel that that's it. We, we're born with Buddha nature, Christ consciousness, the divine spark. You can call it whatever you want, but it's a masterpiece within 
this whole perfect and complete, we just have to figure out how to access it, how to align ourselves with it, how to be it, how to claim it, how to, I don't say like own it, but you just be it. How, to, how do we access it? And so if we take the caterpillar, it goes into a chrysalis and it has to struggle to get out of that chrysalis, but it's the struggle that gives it, gives it the strength to fly. So I had all of these metaphors and the one that stuck was a masterpiece that we're already, once you come from that, once you understand that, then you realize we're wired for success. We just have to understand how we work. We have to know ourselves. We have to know how the mind body is connected. That's what my experience was. I thought the mind and body were separate. Then I realized that they were connected and that some the way through sometimes the silent, uh, to being still is through movement and sometimes we we get the movement through stillness. So my Sifu, my my, my teacher, uh, Bosun Mark, used to talk about this movement and stillness and stillness and movement. And so that's the idea of of understanding that the mind and body connected, and there's different ways to access it. And so depending on our conditioning, depending on our tendencies, we have to work out for each of ourselves. For ourselves, we have to work out for ourselves. How do we need to do it? How do we need to access that masterpiece? But I have some ideas. I have some teachings, and I think the the, the Buddhist teaching. There's a lot of teachings out there. I study Hasidic teachings. All of those wisdom cultures talk about it in some form or fashion. But it really does come down to be still and know. Mm-hmm. Tell me when you were just referencing teachings that are personally very relevant to you about accessing this masterpiece that's already there, but is uncovered. What are those teachings that are so personally meaningful to you? Yes. So I grew up Southern Baptist. So obviously uh, some of the, I I stopped going to Sunday school at 14, but Sunday school didn't leave me. So I think of things, you know, that, that, you know, when I think about, you know, the Christ consciousness. So there's a, there's a, you know, there's stuff there that I could refer to, but then there's the Buddhist teachings and then there's um, just the wisdom literature. It, it doesn't matter what it is, but I was very drawn to Martin Buber. So some of the, so the study of existentialism, that was uh, one of the main things when I went to graduate school, that was the first time I really got a sense for why I felt the way that I felt. I started to have this concept of, of understanding uh, how I needed to do that. So, so it's really more about what what touches my heart, and what touches my heart is the folks that are focusing on. I can do both, but folks that are that are talking about the light and moving into the light, or talking about um, freedom, talking about how, you know, it's 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 as simple as excuse my <laughs> expression, but when I was in college, the 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 parliaments or the the Funkadelics, they, they be, the problem became the Funkadelics. Yeah. They had a song that said, free your mind and your ass will fall. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, so there's all of these references to this idea of the inner journey, the inside out, I call it the inner game. And that how, how important it was to, to get a, a direct experience of it. But there's an intuition that kind of knows. And it's like, how many times have we had this, still small voice to say, no, don't go there. And we go there. And then we say, I should have listened to myself. <laughs> you know, it's like, and so we can cultivate that. 
we can understand that, but you got to be still and, and we have to figure out how to dwell in that silence, how to get with ourselves, be with ourselves. So we're not in the world, you know, we're out there where we're letting the environment dictate who we are or what we want to do versus us realizing that we have a unique individual self that that's what we have to allow to express itself, not what somebody else thinks. And it's an inside job. We have to feel our way through. We have to get a sense for that masterpiece. So that idea of masterpiece and that idea, how do you connect with it? It's by being in the moment and being honest, you know, like integrity is really important. This idea of, of being honest. And that's the biggest thing is the self-honesty. That's where the our, our confidence, that's where our courage, that's where our confidence comes from. When we know how things work, and we know that that we have this amazing ability that we can access if we figure out how to relate in life in ways where we can embrace whatever comes up and generate the hope because they're lessons, they're stepping stones for our development. And they're also opportunities for our latent abilities to express themselves. So if I look at my recovery as a waste of time, um, my substance abuse as a waste of time, and you know I was awful and I'm still awful, that's looking at the glass is half empty instead of looking at it half full. I had to go through that to get to where I am and my latent abilities, my real self was able to express itself because of the, those obstacles and mm -hmm. challenges. Mm -hmm. Now, so first of all, George, I've been hosting this Insights at the Edge podcast for more than a decade. And one of my favorite moments that will go down is when you said, free your mind and your ass will follow. So that's just one of my favorite moments. And I think that's because I like to dance. And I know I know yes, what you're yes, saying is true. Yes. And what I'm curious about is here you work so much with athletes, with people who move. And you're trying to help them understand this principle in terms of athletic performance. So how, you know, you've worked with some of the top athletes in the world, top basketball players in the world. How have you helped? top athletes free their mind so their game will follow, their top performance will follow. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's interesting. And I'm known, most of my, uh, if I would call it, no, not notoriety, because sure. it's not necessarily negative, but my fame came from working with athletes, but that's a small percentage of, of the people I work with. I've taught a lot in meditation centers and pe normal people, you know, people that are not athletes. And uh, most of my work has been with females, which a lot of people don't understand female athletes and female executives and just females in general, because they're the ones that buy the books back 20, 30 years ago. Those are the ones that came to my, my, my workshops and my retreats. I'd say 90, 80% of them were female. So, but this idea of it's the, the when I talk with athletes, they know what being in the zone or being in flow is like. And so when I talk about how this makes them flow ready, but it's also how to do things in ways where you're not using too much effort or you're not too self-absorbed, that you actually perform better when you forget yourself, when, you're, when there's no self-consciousness, when you're just in the activity and you're focused on what you're doing, not on how you're doing. So being able to talk to them about how to access, you know, the number one, get to know what their strengths and what their weaknesses are and, and uh, encourage them to leverage their strengths and to figure out how to live in a way 
where um, you're not driven by fear or or sensual desire. But yeah, there is a desire. There's a there's a need to succeed. But at the same time, how you approach that is very different. Where it's it's a lot about letting go or allowing things to happen instead of trying to make things happen. Does that make sense? So it's the same depending on what. what it makes sense, yeah. and at the same time, it's like you know, okay, I'm going to forget myself. So here I am, and me, and and myself, yes. and we're trying yes. to forget myself, and you know, how do I get out of that double thing happening? Yeah. You know, the yes. witness and the person I'm trying to forget and all yes. of that. Yes. So the first thing we have to understand is we have this amazing ability to observe ourselves, to step back and observe ourselves. And so that's the first thing is self-awareness or the ability to to set self aside, just what Edgar Casey would talk about, set self aside and observe things. And so that's how we learn. We have to be able to to see see ourselves. But here's the interesting thing. And I believe William James said this, but it was attributed to somebody else. You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. I think I got it. I think. So people have the idea of who they are, but if they do an uncritical observation of their reactions in life or how they're behaving, they will realize there's a hidden self that they're not, that they're not copping to. They have an idea about who they are, but that's not who they are. And so... I, I'm fond of quoting the philosopher, but there's two of them because they did it together, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. And the line is, I have my mind on money, money on my mind. That's meditation. So the whole key is what is your mind on? What are you holding in mind? Because as human beings, we manifest that. So there's a book called The Strangest Secret. And you know what The Strangest Secret is? By Earl Nightingale. We become what we think about. So just think about that for a minute. We become what we think about. So if we're thinking on the download unconsciously and we have an image of who we are, that's what's determining what we select to do and, and what we decide we can't do. So this self-image, it's like a self-image we create inside. It's like a virtual a map that we're relating to. And we have to change that map. We have to be able to change it. That's why you see people who have the phantom limb syndrome. What's that about? Well, because even though the arm is gone, the virtual map hasn't been changed. So they actually have pain there. So think about ways somebody tells us we're not smart enough, we're not tall enough, we don't look right. And then we we have that virtual map. We have that image of who we are. And any image or anything we do that's that conflicts with that, we're going to go back to that Im- the image we, we created. So we have to understand how, how we can think, feel, and behave. So for me, to become clean, I had to behave my way out of proper thinking, uh, behave my way into proper thinking. So I forgot myself by not doing what I would normally do and just, just do what I know to do and then let my, catch, my thinking catch up with me. You understand what I'm saying? Because who I think I am is not who I am. You led with the behavior change, but let's try to make this specific to an athletic performance challenge. So somebody comes to you and they have some kind of, let's take an example. Uh, I know our engineer likes golf, so I'm going to bring a a golfing example forward. And I'm not saying that our engineer has a problem where he slices the ball instead of kind of getting a nice 
arc to it. I don't really know, but let's just pretend that there's this like ongoing mm -hmm. kind of slicing problem. And this is like kind of mapped in, you know, this fear. I'm going to get up there and I'm going to, yeah. how do yeah. you help people make the shift? Yes. So let's go to the extreme on that point. So I work with um, softball pitchers, female softball pitcher. Um, and uh, she had the yips. What well, the yips is like, say, like she goes to throw the first base and the ball goes 10 feet. Right. And the more you try to change it, the worse right. it gets. And I had uh, pictures the same thing. And the way that I get them out of that is to get them to, to just focus on, on instead of trying not to do something, because when you say don't throw the ball 10 feet, you're going to throw the ball 10 feet because you're unconscious doesn't notice not it just you know you tell it so the best way to change it is to rewire yourself just change rewire your neural net by by just focusing on the basic fundamentals and just focus on on the fundamentals of throwing you know planting your feet and using the 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 basic fundamentals of throwing a ball and so when it comes to golf if you slice the ball, the more you try not to slice it, the more you slice it. But if you just focus on the basic essentials, the fundamentals of, of golf, and that's what you focus on, and then it's helpful if you visualize yourself because the, the brain, the nervous system and the brain doesn't know the difference between what we experience and what we think and imagine. So if I say to you, this is an old-fashioned back blackboard, and I take my hand and I do this, you can feel as if it's right. there so so if you are feel if you are focusing on failing then you're creating a neural net and you're you're programming yourself to fail but if you can understand how to reprogram yourself and you you mentally see yourself doing it and then you go out and physically do it and then you just get back to basic fundamentals and and stop trying to do anything other than just focus on just making the next play, just just doing the proper technique, and you get many repetitions of of that, and then that's how you're able to to get out of that slicing thing. Because I played golf, and I used to hit the ball in the water, and the more I tried not to hit it in the water, <laughs> I would hit it in the water. And I work with professional golfers, so I know that it's it's the mind, body, heart, and soul. It's a whole person, but you have to start seeing yourself in new and different ways and start thinking about yourself instead of focusing on your failures or what you can't do. You got to focus on what you want to do, who you want to be, and then do the process that gets you there. You get into the basic fundamentals. It's always about basic fundamentals and just mastering the fundamentals. And then you can make the correction and it's, and it's a lot easier. But when you put pressure on yourself, I got to stop, um, doing what I'm doing, you end up, you continue to do that. And the more you try not to, the more you do it. But if you can just let it go and just start to rebuild or reset your, your whole physical, you know, your, your whole movement, your skill set, and your, you know, in the mindset that goes with the skill set, the attitude, the emotions that go with it, then you can, you can change it. So is part of your coaching with people to have them visualize the success that they want so to like see the it, stroke and see the ball coming and is that is that part of what you teach people well, well that's part of, that that's part, that that could be so to me people always want a formula it's not a formula the formula is to be with what's there and to meet them where they are and where they are and then 
the mindfulness and the wisdom will determine what's the next step. Yeah, so I ask people, what do they want? And then who do they need to, to be, to do what they want to do? So it's different for different people. For some people, it's just, just getting back to the fundamentals and just remembering that this is, you, you can have fun. And so the whole thing is to be yourself and to have fun. So you have to acknowledge who you are, acknowledge your tendencies or the things that, 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 that resonate with you and play to that. But you got to know what you do well, what you don't do well, because you you can know what your weaknesses are and you can spend your time trying to get your weaknesses to, to a mediocre state, or you can focus on your strengths and have them get to an elite level. And, and especially if you're on a team, you'll have tem- teammates that will fill in, do what you don't do so well so that you just have to focus on what you do well. And, and that that's helpful. And so it's really depends on the situation and the person, but it always comes down to them knowing themselves so they can be themselves, so they can express themselves, so they can share themselves. So it's an inside job about how are you managing the present moment so that you can see things clearly and you want to love greatly, but you want to see things clearly and then seeing things clearly, you, the potential, the, the appropriate action will be obvious. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So it's, 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 really, it's really simple. So I like to say good actions need good images. Great actions need great images. So, yeah, so we do, we do talk and, in, 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 you know, the, the unconscious, uh, you know, images and, 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 and feelings, emotions, they're very important. And if we can see it, we can hit it. And so we can visualize it because the whole role of thinking, if you think about it, that's an interesting way of thinking about thinking, right? But if you think about it, what is what is the purpose of thinking? Thinking helps us to develop scenarios of how things will turn out, how things might turn out. So you get to the point where I help teach them with the inner dialogue and the body language to really get clear about what's happening and to be able to change the language so that it's a, it's consistent or in alignment with what they say they want to do. And so for me, if I'm going to work with a client and when I work with a client, it's not like, okay, I'm just working with them when I'm, when I'm with them for an hour or whatever it is, I'm thinking about it and I'm reflecting on it and I'm playing out scenarios or how certain things would work. Or if I'm going to give a presentation, I'm playing out the scenarios of how it's going to work. Whereas before most of my time was focused on, what mistakes not to make? What am I trying to avoid? Uh, you know, I don't want to repeat bad stuff. And so you start to train yourself to understand that when you get into a certain, um, when you develop, when you have, when you transform your mind so that your mind is just seeing what's there and there's a, an ability, uh, an ability to be creative and to be excited about it and to understand how you're going to do things. You have an image of how you need to do it. So you might give me a game plan. But then I have to understand how do I take that, those instructions you give me and express them in my own way and do it in a way that makes sense for my conditioning and my tendencies and my, my abilities, really, my, my uh, strengths. Mm-hmm. Now, George, in your own experience, has there been some kind of mental patterning that you've really needed to shift, wanted to shift in your life? And how did that go for you? Yes, so it's, there's, there's multiple, but, but the first thing started when I, I got in, I learned about meditation and my first meditation teacher, Larry Rosenberg, 
uh, and I was I was living at the med, you know Insight Meditation, you know Cambridge Insight Meditation Center. I lived there for six years. But in those days, we used to have a one-hour meeting. And I remember I was in recovery, and I used to say, you know, I'm an alcoholic and a, and a drug addict, you know, or whatever. And he told me, and this is what good teachers do or good friends, whatever you're attached to, they take it away from you. Uh, you know, so he told me to stop seeing myself as an addict and alcoholic and just seeing myself as a person. And so start to change and start to look at myself different ways. And so I would say I'm in recovery or I'm doing this or that. But I was really started thinking about myself being a spiritual being, having a human experience or whatever, or I have a masterpiece inside. And so when I start seeing myself as this masterpiece, this unfolding, this becoming, and this learning, and we learn through mistakes, and I realized that I can learn anything I want to learn, and and I just have to be able to be a learner and learn from my mistakes and just see if I can have a direct experience of any of these teachings that I teach or that I feel is important, like the idea I get to create my reality. I become what I think about, and if I have my mind on a certain thing, then that's what's going to happen. And so I have to understand, well, what am I thinking, what am I what am, how am I thinking? How am I feeling? How am I behaving? And if I want to be a champion, if I say, or if I want to be an elite performer, then I have to think, feel, and behave like a champion. So I have to become it before I can be it. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you go to this think, feel, and behave. It's very powerful, all three of those dimensions. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you, George, you mentioned that actually working with athletes is a part of what you do, but that you work with different kinds of people at different populations. And I know that you work a lot with business professionals and you're actually yes. going to be the commencement speaker at Sounds yes. True's upcoming yeah. uh, inner MBA graduation ceremony coming up for our second cohort, our third cohort starts in September, and here you are helping our second cohort humans graduate. How would you say the lessons around pure performance in athletics yes. apply or don't apply yes. in the business arena? Yeah. yeah. So I got this idea of pure performance because if you if you listen to the – because what people don't probably realize is that I, I study a lot – uh, or maybe they do realize that I study a lot. I've been averaging over a book a week for the last coming up on 38 years and as well as reading other things. And so when the Buddha talks about the, the foundations of mindfulness, he calls it the path of purification of beings. And so pure performance is performance is not that, that's, that's that where you're just behaving, you're acting, out of uh, coming from that, you know, generosity, compassion, understanding, but it's it's pure in the sense that it's not filtered by, you know, self self um, self reference or associative thinking, abstract thinking. It's it's pure because there's nothing in between you and the experience, and you want to purify the mind and heart so you can see clearly and love greatly. If I just use those two things. And so the path of pure performance is about just performing for no reason, just to be fully engaged in a moment and fully deployed and able to express yourself honestly. That's really what it comes down to. So you're not doing it in order for this or that. You're doing it because 
in and of the thing itself. It's the moment and being fully engaged in a moment, fully deployed in a moment and fully self-expressive in a moment. That's the most important thing, not the thing that we're doing. So that's why whether you're an athlete or, or uh, a um, business person, and then now we're talking about getting beyond the illusion of separateness. So can I relate to other people as whole beings, not a body, but someone with a body, mind, heart, and soul or spirit. And if I leave out any one of those aspects, then I'm relating to that person as a thing, including myself. And so as a business leader, it's like, how do I bring value? Everything can be for the greatest good. Sometimes the greatest good is just sharing profits with, with the workers instead of just giving it to one, uh, one uh, some of the stakeholders and, and then not not having fair exchange. And so it's this idea of fairness, is this idea of getting beyond the illusion of separateness. And I'm not being polyamorous because I worked as a financial analyst for 16 years. So I worked in a corporate structure. And so, and I worked at the medical center where I was elite, you know, I, I was a program director and I had people that reported to me. And it's this idea of learning how to lead, but more like a radical inclusion, just seeing the whole person and just understanding how things work, what is meaningful work. You know, if you think about it, how do I get people to join me and feel like this is their company or this their organization instead of there's the organization and they make me do things and I'm going to do things, but I'm going to hope it doesn't work rather than me being fully engaged and fully deployed because I and the other one, it's, it's all of us. We're, we're all in this together and we're working for each other and we're supporting each other so we start off with the fully integrated self and then the fully integrated whatever the organization is and so everything begins with the self and so no matter who you are you have a self and if you can be your real self and if you can relate to others as if you wanted to be related to like the golden rules the things we learned in kindergarten then we could have a fantastic learning growing um evolving competitive environment where we're competing, but we're competing uh, out of compassion, out of uh, uh, of of focusing on the greatest good. Mm -hmm. That makes yeah. sense. So it's really important. So when I talk about working with, it's the same thing. Is 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 the question is what do you want and who do you need to be to do what you want? So it has to have something to do with seeing things, uh, seeing things clearly, you know, loving fully or you know whatever, loving greatly also means uh, just being, um, just thinking about self and other or thinking about the community, thinking about something bigger, but it's the balance I talk about in sports because they're in teams. You gotta develop the me, but the we has to take precedent. So how do you have that dynamic tension between the me and the we? And you gotta take care of both. And only way you can do that is if you're willing to be vulnerable and create a trusting environment where you're able to resolve conflict and when you resolve conflict, you have more commitment. And if you have more commitment, then you hold each other accountable. And if you hold each other accountable, now you have a, a group or a team rather than a group of individuals or a team of individuals. And so it all comes back to trust. Once again, that trust is really important because without the ability to be vulnerable and to be willing to take risk and, and commit, commit to each other in a way where you're interested in the whole person, not just what the person can give you. And I know this sounds polyamorous, but this is what 
what Phil Jackson has been able to do with his teams. And I work with organizations and there are organizations out there that are, that are committed to the whole person committed to their, not just their company, but the, but the, but all of the stakeholders, the people in the, in the environment that they're working in. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you uh, specifically a question that I think applies in the business arena, at least in my experience. It's kind of like the athlete that has this, you know, nemesis that keeps coming at them. What if someone just is, uh, you know, an entrepreneur or a business leader, and the truth is they have a certain amount of fear, financial fear, mm -hmm. fear that, mm -hmm. that uh, they're not going to have the kind of financial success that will translate for their staff and the well-being of everyone. And they can't like talk themselves out of it or something because it's just real. It's what's there. How would you coach them successfully with that? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the mindset, not the thing. So if, you're, if, if they're in survival mode, they see this is half empty, you can't be in survival mode and growth mode at the same time. So you got to get them out of survival mode. They have to understand that the fear is false evidence appearing real. And if you're afraid of something, it's, it's good to have healthy fear, but we have to distinguish between healthy fear and, or, you know, uh, you know, fear that's there and imagined fear. And so, but the main thing is, is the glasses you have on. If I have on a fair glasses, I could do, I could say and do everything, but it's going to be perceived in the same way. You're not going to be, you're in survival mode. You can't be in survival mode and growth mode. So I have to get them out of fear and into a, a mode of not fear. And yeah, so you can have, a, you can be afraid of something, but then that's what courage is for. You got to do it and see if it's true. And, but if you are doing the four A's and you're aware, you're embracing it and generating hope and, and seeking to understand, then once you understand it, then, then everything changes. And so it's okay to have that fear and you need to move beyond it and get into in growth mode. And the way you do that is this is right effort. You have to abandon fear. It's not helpful. You have to see the fear, uh, Instead of having the broad and built theory, you, you have tunnel vision and you're locked in and you and, and you feel trapped and you're not going to be able to see the solution that's right in front of you because you're in this, you know, you're kind of choked off for life and your vision. So you can't see clearly. So fear is one of those uh, mindsets that prevents us from seeing clearly and from being fully present. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So that's the thing. So it's, it depends, but it's it's like we can get into the object of fear, but it's always the mindset. Yeah. If we do it the mindset, the mind changes, everything else yeah. changes. All right. There's one last, I don't know, what do I call it? Mumfordism that uh, yes. I heard uh, in your At Home with George that I just loved that I want you to introduce to our listeners. You said, no struggle no swag. no swag. And I was like, that's so cool, George. Go ahead. Talk yeah. about uh, how you came up with that. No struggle, no swag. Yeah. So I forget, where are you, where are you physically? I'm in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, you're in Colorado. You're an amazing place. Um, I have a friend that I've been working with for probably 20 years or so. She's a volleyball coach and she's coaching that. She probably doesn't mind because they put it on, 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 um, social media. So she works at um, Cal State University at, um, where, the, where the heck is it? Um, it's, 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 um, 
it's slipping my mind right now. But anyway, she has a volleyball team. And so I was working with the volleyball team. And um, and I'm working with the young ladies and they're just like, it's like, they're like, okay, we want, we'll do it, George, but this is too hard. This is, you know, this is, you know, we don't want to struggle. You know, we want a softer, easier way. And I found myself saying, listen, no struggle, no swag. And they loved it. They put it up on their, on their, you know, you know, a banner on their locker room. Um, and, and that was it. And that's, and, and it's a real deal. It comes back to the chrysalis where there's the story of this young, young, young man, young boy saw a chrysalis and he saw the little being digging his way out and he decided to help it. And he took some scissors and he, and he created the opening. And when the being got out, it was ill-formed, it was fat, and it fell. And so what's the lesson? The lesson is you have to struggle, and, and the struggle is where you get the, the strength to fly. And so if you're not struggling, you're not out of your comfort zone, you're not growing, but it's the struggle that gets us to where, because when we struggle, you, you, it gets you, and if you embrace it, once again, embracing it and say, oh, this is going to get me there, this is a stepping stone, not a roadblock, then all things are possible. And then you get access to this latent ability and you go through it. So if you're not struggling, I got swag. How did I get swag? Well, I struggled. And it's through the struggle that I built the strength. And so I got swag. I'm walking. You know, I got swag. I earned that. You can't, no one can give it to you. You have to earn that. And you earn it by, by overcoming obstacles and difficulties, by realizing, as, as Eric Fromm said, Anytime we change any behavior, whether it's the time we brush our teeth or whatever, we immobilize anxieties. And the idea is, yeah, they're there, but if you move through the anxieties, you will have strength, you will have swag. I've been speaking with George Mumford. He's the author of the book, The Mindful Athlete, Secrets to Pure Performance. And he brings his insights on pure performance into many different arenas, including Sounds True's inner MBA program. He's the commencement speaker for our second cohort, our third cohort. This is a nine-month online program where you learn the inner skills that help connect you to greater outer success and expansion. Our third cohort begins in September of this year. You can learn more at innermbaprogram.com. And I just want to thank you, George, for being with us here on Insights at the Edge. You have given us all more swag. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate that. Well, your questions were amazing. So thank you. Thanks for listening to Insights at the Edge. You can read a full transcript of today's interview at resources.soundstrue.com backslash podcast. That's resources.soundstrue.com slash podcast. If you're interested, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you feel inspired, head to iTunes and leave Insights at the Edge a review. I absolutely love getting your feedback and being connected. Sounds true. Waking up the world.